0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Get you aboard on this Tuesday night, we react to the Trey Turner signing. Excellent player. My comparisons are Barry Larkin, Um, Paul Molitor, two players I grew up watching. He reminds me of those guys in the batter's box. We'll see how he ages. You know, Larkin, about 36 years old, done a shortstop. Uh, You know, Molitor was a DH most of his 30s and then moved around the infield, didn't stick it short after playing there in his 20s. But as a hitter, he reminds me of those guys. The contract, that's its own separate thing. And I love the player, don't like the contract, but, man, it's a you know, from a, a fit for twenty twenty three with the Phillies needed what he could bring. It really, really, really adds to this baseball team. So a lot of Phillies coming up. We'll talk to Bob Wankel here from Crossing Broad in a minute, and then we'll go back to the Eagles who just continue to roll. I mean, eleven and one, by far the best team in the NFC. And I believe, like when I watched that game on Sunday, my first thought was like, that that's a championship team. That is a Super Bowl winning team that we watched on the field on Sunday. Well, let's get to the phone line, the guest line here, Bob Wankel of Crossing Broad joining us. Talk about a Philly scene that just handed out another three hundred million dollar contract. Bob, how you doing tonight?
2: Joe, how are you? Good to talk to you.
1: You too, man. It's good to talk. And um, and how about John Middleton, Bob? I was giving him credit earlier. You know, I think it was about five, six years ago. He sat uh, in our studios here at WIP, and he said something to the effect of, "If you know, if you're not in it to win it and aren't willing to spend to win, you shouldn't be an owner." And at times during the last five years, I questioned him a little bit. Not that he wasn't willing to spend it all, but you know, they were reluctant to go over that tax for a couple of years. But they did it. They went to the World Series, and they're going to go over again because they just gave out a massive deal. Um, I really think you know, we give Jeff Lurie a lot of credit in this town, but Middleton is making his mark here as a guy who really is putting his money where his mouth is.
2: It sure has. I mean, as a, as a fan, all you can really ask for, for your or from your ownership is is for the ownership to spend and show a commitment and a willingness to spend and do what it takes to compete. And John Middleton and this ownership group has, has done that. And they've done that now for the last number of years. And uh, to your point, you know, you go back to the, the, I guess now, infamous WIP interview with him, and he talks about wanting his trophy back. And I mean, listen, I'll tell you, he's had moments where in public eye he hasn't been great. Uh, you know, you go back to the Gabe Kapler firing and he gives the, the potted plant speech. And I remember sitting in the press room when that happened and I kind of rolled my eyes and said, you know, the Phillies would just be best served to not put him in a public forum for a little bit. But, you know, he's backed it up here. The last few years they've, they've targeted high price free agents. Uh, they've been able to bring them in. And, you know, certainly off the run that they had last season, there's a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement rolling into 23 here. And, yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to tip your cap down.
1: Bob, let's talk about Trey Turner because he's the latest star to arrive to Philadelphia uh, with a $300 million contract. Let's separate the contract for a second because I want to talk to you about that. But just the player here, Bob, what do you think of the player? Uh, Obviously, he's great. He's tremendous. But what do you think of him and how do you think he'll age because he's going to be here a long time?
2: Yeah, so I think at the uh, the latter half of this contract, he ultimately will end up playing some second base or perhaps even play left field when it's all said and done when he gets into his upper 30s. But we obviously have a number of years before I think that's really a consideration. And you talk about all of the tools, and he's a, a potential 30-steel guy. He can hit 20, 25 home runs, and he's a 300-hitter when he rolls out of bed. That's something you, you've heard a lot lately and, I mean, one of the things that I think gets overlooked at a little bit is that he's good against both left-handed and right-handed pitching. If you look at his 2022 split, he hit .298 against lefties and he hit .298 against righties. And, you know, Reese Hoskins last year is the Phillies' most dangerous hitter consistently against uh, left-handed pitching. But uh, Trey Turner last year against lefties had an eight eighty six OPS. I mean, that would have been second best on the Phillies team. So I think that not only is he productive player – but he's not a guy that you have to worry about in terms of splits, where you say, oh, man, he really mashes one side, but he can't do much against the other. And I think that consistency of what he brings to the table is something that will help this offense, needless to say. But I just think that he, when you look at the volatility of a lot of the key players in this lineup, Trey Turner is a little bit more of a consistent commodity. And I think that that really is going to help bring some balance and stability to this team.
1: Bob, um, you know, he's been a guy, you said it, he rolls out of bed, hits 300, he hits righties, hits lefties, he he runs, um, and it does feel like, and we'll see how, you know, again, how he ages, but it does feel like for now, for the next couple of years, starting next season, the rule changes should only help him. The, the shift, you know, being, you know, changed could lead to more infield hits for a guy like him who's who hasn't lost a step, and that's the one thing about him, you know. From a speed perspective, he's just as fast as he was when he came in the league. And the other thing is, um, it should be easier to steal bases. He's already one of the most efficient stolen base guys ever. So maybe that even jumps another notch. It feels like the rule changes could only help him.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And listen, I mean, the Phillies were fairly aggressive on the base pass last year. I mean, that was one of the things that if you watch them on a daily basis, you said, "Wow, they really are willing to gamble a little bit on the bases. They're willing to do it. And now they have a player who actually has the attributes to do it. You know, it's not just about situational timing. It's about, here's a guy that pretty much any time he wants to do it, he's going to be a threat and can affect the game that way. So I think, again, it's just a different dynamic, an added variable, somebody that I feel like this has become a, an off-season ritual, but somebody that you can plug in at the top of the lineup and feel pretty good about it. And hopefully, you know, whether he hits the leadoff, uh, he actually hit the second and third more for the Dodgers last year, but throughout his career he's been primarily a leadoff guy. That's where he's taken the bulk of his at-bats. You know, I think you could with, with certainty say that he's going to hit first or second for this team most of the time. And, and hopefully they got an answer here in Trey Turner at the top of the lineup because prior to that run last October, I mean, listen, you know, that that was a concern for this team.
1: So let me throw this say you. you brought up the lineup, and I, I think the default is for most people that we've talked to and most people I've seen, it's it's they want to put him at the top. I, I think the Kyle Struber leadoff um, – Thing it makes people uncomfortable, like especially fans that think more old school. Like he doesn't look or, or play like a leadoff hitter, and, and I I wouldn't mind if Turner hits leadoff. I'm not against it. I just as I structure the lineup, like when Bryce is healthy, Bob. I. I like separating those lefties because I think it makes it difficult when the opposing manager goes out and puts a lefty in. If you have two righties in between them, it's like they're making a decision. Do I bring the lefty in but then get crushed by Turner and Real Muto? So I thought of it this way. I thought of it Schwarber, Turner, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins. How would you do it when Bryce is healthy? Let's just say the top four or five. How would you stack them?
2: Yeah, I I too would do it that way. I think that you have to obviously – Take into consideration the bottom portion of your lineup, though. So if, if you assume that Bryson Stotts are everyday second baseman, which I think is a fair assumption at this point, and Brandon Marsh is going to play a lot in center field, uh, you know, listen, do you, do you go stop marsh schwerber eight nine one? No, of course you don't. So I think that that's a little bit of a consideration, but I wouldn't be surprised if, If Trey Turner, I guess uh, it would be an interesting betting line maybe, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if if he doesn't take the bulk of his at-bats in the leadoff spot. I I think that, I mean, you know this. uh, Bryce Harper not there at the beginning of the season comes probably late June, maybe early July, somewhere in there. It's, It's kind of like a rolling thing. And I just don't know that you can really confidently say on December the 6th, like this is how they're going to roll it out there. This is what they're going to do. It's just like a trial and error process, and you hope that when the games really start to mean more going down the stretch, they have a formula that works. And right now, the, the key is to have the right, the right puzzle pieces, and then you kind of figure out how to put them together. And it certainly seems like they have the right puzzle pieces.
1: We're talking to Bob Wankley, or crossing brothers, affiliate sign Trey Turner at the winter meetings. All right, Bob, let's talk about the contract. What they did here. So, you know, I understand their thinking and the math behind it, and they smooth out the. Uh, the years, they smooth out the years and it's 27 or so per year. But the bottom line is they also signed a middle infield to an 11-year free agent contract, which has never happened before. And the history of players staying in the middle infield, you know, late through the 30s, it's just not high. I mean, there's a real chance the last three or four years of this deal are ugly. What do you think about the contract?
2: Yeah, I think that that's a fair concern. I mean, the the Phillies are clearly, if you you look at this, you you know that they are – Uh, hellbent on trying to win a World Series in the next five years. I mean, they're really trying to do it this year. Uh, But I think that they realize that there is a a window to do this. They have a, a terrific core group of veteran players that are either in the middle of their prime or maybe even starting to scale to the back of it a little bit. They have reinforcements coming with some premier pitching prospects. And I think that they just realize that this is a gamble that they're willing to to take i mean I think that you're you're going all in for a a four to five year run here, and you hope it results in a one or two championships and and you kind of deal with the rest on the back end and i mean listen, you know you get that far out. you hope that a player that has this type of athleticism is going to age a little bit better than maybe you know your other uh you know age thirty guy in twenty twenty three And I guess that's what they're kind of banking on. You look at the speed, you look at the athleticism. I mean, these are uh, premier attributes in this player. And so that you hope that there's a little bit of a, a longer transition before maybe you have to slot him out of the middle infield. And you hope that that athleticism holds up if he has to play a corner outfield spot in the late 30s or, you know, when he gets to the very, very back end of this thing in year 10, year 11.
1: Does he remind you of anyone over the years? I mean, the, the two ones that jump to my head, Um, I think there's a little Barry Larkin to him who played shortstop and obviously a Hall of Famer until about 36 or so. The other one you mentioned just athleticism and it translated for years. He I kind of see Paul Molitor when I watch him, <laughs> although Molitor – by the time he was 34, he was DHing a lot. Like he hit forever, but he didn't really play the field. You know, after his mid 30s.
2: It's funny you say that. I was actually having a conversation about about this last night, and Paul Molitor was somebody that a, a friend of mine had floated, and then I was listening to. Uh, one of the shows this this afternoon, I, I don't know, it might have been Joe Cameron, I'm not sure, and somebody floated the, the Paul Molitor name out there as well. So I think a few different people are seeing that. And uh, it, it's an a interesting comp from an offensive standpoint, like you said, and that was my one pushback. You know, there was a lot of DH there by the time he was in his mid-30s. But, you know, I think that this is a player, and I know that we do this. We have a tendency to always look at the, the – we skew positive. You go out and you spend a ton of money on a, an all-star, two-time all-star, batting champion-level player – and you say, oh, yeah, this, this is great, you know, there's obviously going to be some concerns. But I really do think from an offensive profile standpoint, there's, there's going to be longevity in this. Like, this does not feel like the type of athlete that just simply falls off a cliff. And I think that the Phillies certainly believe that or they wouldn't have done this deal. Uh, so, I mean, I think that there's a lot of reason for real optimism here. And, and, and really, you know, the thing I always look at when you get a signing like this, yes, it makes your team better. But I always like to look at what does it signal? You know, what is the ownership signaling to the players in that clubhouse? What is the ownership sign- signaling to the fan base? And, you know, I think that it's it's quite clear that, like, they're they're all in. And, and you should be excited. And, and here we go. And let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, this town is going to be very excited. There's, there's no question. That excitement from October will carry over to, to next year now with Trey Turner and a team expected to do big things. Bob, I was going to end and ask you. What's next, and your thoughts on on what they might do in the pitching department? It sounds like we have some breaking news as we speak. So, and I, and I say this with a grain of salt because we uh, we people listening, if you don't know earlier, John Heyman, who is probably one of the, one of the most respected insiders. Rosenthal just. Uh confirmed. It. Okay. So, so earlier, John Heyman had thought that judge was going to the Giants. That's not done yet. So we take this with, you know, not all done yet, but it sounds like a lot of insiders chiming in together here. Uh, Bob, uh, free agent pitcher, Taiwan Walker headed to the Phillies. Your, your initial first thought when I say that.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a I think a pretty good fit. I mean, 30 seconds ago, if you would have asked me about the rotation, I would have told you, uh, they, they probably need to slot in with a number three, number four type guy, um, I think that they're banking on Andrew Painter. I mean, if you listen to Rob Thompson tonight, uh, he talked to reporters. He went on MLB Network. He talked about how he believes in Andrew Painter, that he could break camp with them this season. And uh, I, so I think that he's very much in the mix. You don't go out in December and float that information out there if there's not a true belief in it. So how do you round out that rotation? You need a veteran arm in there. Uh, somebody that you can kind of trust to eat some innings in the back end of things, hope that painter sticks and, and you have yourself a pretty, pretty damn good rotation at that point. So, uh, you know, as much as you'd love to see them go out and do the redone thing. And then we have three number ones that we can throw at you. I just don't think that was where the Phillies were going to be at with their pitching plan. So that, that makes sense, that deal.
1: Yeah. And his um, last two years, 29 games started each, each year. So it's a guy yeah. that, that, um, you know, it certainly takes the ball pretty much every fifth day. So, uh, you know, we'll see on, on what the terms are and how that goes. But Bob, um, Turner's here. They got another pitcher here. Would you think bullpen will be the last piece of the puzzle? I don't I don't know what they're going to do there. If they just throw darts or they try to sign yeah. someone with, you know, with some heft. I mean, I, there's some relievers out there, actually, uh, I think are pretty good. I mean, Rogers, I think, still has some stuff to him. Jansen's still out there. I'm just not sure if they're going to spend that much in the bullpen.
2: It'll be interesting to see what the relief market plays out like. You know, so one of the reasons that I think you're seeing a guy like Walker sign here is because you know, Jameson Tyon or Tyone, I should say, you know, it's a he's going to get paid, and is he going to is he going to get paid more than he's probably worth? Yeah, and so I think that the, the starting pitching market is is getting a little crazy here. What does the mid you know mid-level relief market look like? Is it going to get carried away? Um, and I, I think that there might be a little bit more of a wait and see component to that. The Phillies have been very aggressive this off season. They're getting these deals done early on. Uh, they've they've kind of been at the front of these things. But I wouldn't be shocked if there's there's multiple bullpen additions, and and I wouldn't be shocked if at least one of them takes a little while to get to. I think you're looking for guys that can pitch in the sixth, seventh inning, take down meaningful outs. But you're not going to get you know your your closer out of this i think they're comfortable with what they have in terms of how do we finish out games um and maybe the fan base isn't but i think that they are for now
1: bob great stuff appreciate you hopping on and uh it's an exciting time right now to talk about and and write about and cover the phillies it's going to be a fun off season and uh and and a fun year next year thank you bob thanks joe there he goes bob Wankel. so we're seeing now uh as the news just came across taiwan walker is going to sign with the phillies and you know numbers are out there. You know reports are kind of flying in somewhere between you know a little bit over $70 million. Four years, seventy million dollars. So um, here's some perspective. You now we do first guesses, second guesses. We all do this as fans. So I I said to Tucker as we saw the news come through, I said ah, I don't know, two years, thirty million, and that was kind of what I was thinking. He's probably worth four seventy two, four seventy feels heavy to me. It just it feels like a lot of years um to give to a mid-rotation starter when don't they have a mid-rotation starter in in Ranger Suarez? Don't they have another one in Andrew Painter that you would think at worst would be a mid-rotation starter over the next 3 to 4 years? I mean, he probably sh- will be better than that, but I'm just saying like it's kind of strange to pay a guy like couldn't I paint a picture to you that he's their fifth starter this season? In a perfect world, he is. And he's making $18 million a year. I mean, he
3: had a good season last year. Yeah, he had an year, Ray, at nice. 3.49. He made the all-star team the, the year before. We kind of struggled in the second half. He's a fine pitcher. He's okay. Committing to a guy who's 29 years old for four seasons, and you look at his career, he's really only had two healthy seasons since 2017. My first instinct when we saw those numbers is – I wonder if Aaron Nola's days as a
1: Philly are numbered. Well, we said it earlier. There's only, Let's be real. There's only so many of these deals they could give out. And you look at next year's free agent class, Aaron Nola will be the number one starting pitcher available. Number one. So, you know, he just watched Jacob DeGrom get, what, 37 a year to pitch 50 innings or 80 innings or whatever Jacob DeGrom pitches. Aaron Nola takes down 220 a year. You know, you know what wouldn't surprise me if the Phillies broached Nola's agent about a contract extension and the number started with thirty five per year and they said oh boy maybe we should just go get Taiwan walker for half of that I, I don't know you know and again tywin walker's fine I, I think he will he's better than gibson he's he's better than gibson right so they needed I mean, age. he gives you
3: a four starter in the postseason which is something they didn't have a year ago it
1: also gives them some cover here if they want to uh slow play andrew painter's ascension right because they have right now five starters you have you have wheeler nola Suarez Walker and Bailey falter like they don't need Andrew Painter in April now if they don't want to put him out there if they want to save those innings which I actually would do I mean I you know, is it cool if he makes the opening day roster sure it's more fun that way but if Andrew Painter's the real deal I'd rather have him out there in September and in October than I would just in the month of April so we'll see um but man the Phillies just how much money they spent now 372 this offseason Yes, three hundred plus seventy-two. Yeah, that's easy math. We can do easy. that. Yeah, that, w- that wasn't hard there. Um, that kind of math on on Taiwan Walker two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four to hop in. Breaking news: Phillies just signed Taiwan Walker from the Mets. The Mets have lost a lot this offseason. They've lost Degrom. They've lost Taiwan Walker. They have Brandon Nimmo, who's a free agent. Mets have lost a lot. Now they did add Justin Verlander, which is obviously a lot. But the Mets have, I would say, right now the Phillies in this moment have closed a gap on the on the NL East. That, you know, the regular season gap that was there, the Mets right now are down DeGrom, down Nimmo, down Taiwan Walker. They got Verlander. The Braves have done I think they've done nothing so far and, and Swanson's a free agent. I mean, I think the Phillies have closed this gap for whatever that's worth.
3: They definitely are a better regular season team. Yeah. Right? Like they're they're more talented. I think they're deeper. I, I think that was always the big difference between them and teams like the Mets and Braves and Dodgers is they didn't go this deep, and they had the top-end talent. I mean, we saw what they did in the postseason. They made it to Game 6 of the World Series with three starting pitchers and three decent relievers. I mean, you can get through the postseason, but being able to you know, put together better at-bats and being able to go 26 deep or 30 deep on your 40-man roster— it's going to make a world of difference for this team and for a team that won't have their best player for the first half of the season, adding guys like Tywon Walker and adding guys like Trey Turner, I think it's going to keep them in
1: contention for the division. Uh, I think it will too. They they look to me and strike me now as a team that could win 90 or more. And last year they just, they weren't that kind of team. So I'm looking at Walker's numbers right now. He, the, a couple of big differences, because last year was his best year I would say in the majors. Um You know, you know, close. Yeah, he had three point four nine ERA last year. He did that one other time in twenty seventeen when he was very young in Arizona. But you know, he had a three four nine ERA for the Mets last year. Twenty nine starts. Two things he did better last year than he did really for a a large portion of his career. He limited home runs. Last year was one of his best rates. You know, really the best rate of his career over a full season. Less than one home run per nine innings. Now, can he do that at City at um, Citizens Bank Park? We'll see. And he also walked. He cut his walk rate last year. It was the lowest it has been over a full season since 2016. So those are those are good things. He walked guy walked less guys. He gave plus home runs, and he was a better pitcher last year for the Mets. I feel like I recall the Phillies hitting him though, like hard. I I, I don't have his numbers offhand against the Phillies last season or the last couple of seasons. I feel like they've tattooed Taiwan Walker. I you know whether it be Schwarber. I maybe mean, I, I could picture a Harper home run off him. I feel like, you know, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it means his numbers against everybody else were really good when you take the Phillies' numbers out. But this, my memory tells me that the Phillies hit him kind of hard over the years.
3: Uh, on May 5th, oh, you know what game this was? Which one? The game the Phillies uh, were up
1: 7-1. Oh, he was the starter in the game where uh, they blew it. In yeah, May. he went Here. four
3: innings, nine hits, seven runs, six earned. Yeah, so they hit him hard. And then James Norwood and Corey Neville said, hold my beer, and one-upped him.
1: The team that had James Norwood blowing six-run leads eventually made like, the World Series. You know Yuri's
3: Familia is going to get a National League Championship ring this year?
1: Does he have to? No, but he did pitch for this team. He pitched 38 games. Well, I, 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 remember, I remember them. I, unfortunately, I remember them all. Um, the for, regular season Phillies seem like a different team. They, well, in in large parts, they were. I mean, they did change out a lot. The bullpen how Alvarado became a better pitcher. I mean, they were different, right?
3: Nick Nelson had the most innings
1: out of the bullpen for this team. It's it, Corey it, Knebel led them in saves it, with 12. It really is crazy when you think back to what they were to what they became. It, it was different. I mean, you, you, I mean, they just were a completely different team. By the time we got to October, they were really good in October. And before that, you know, you go to May, and they were um, – They were awful. They were an awful baseball team for a lot of that. What to watch for? Sponsored by Xfinity. Xfinity, the fastest internet in Philadelphia, and the sponsor of our Xfinity Lounge. So you know what I'm watching for next? What the Phillies do in the bullpen, because they have taken care of the big bat. They've taken care of shortstop, taken care of getting Trey Turner here in Philadelphia with a gigantic deal. Absolutely love Trey Turner's game. And he does remind me, Barry Larkin and um, and Paul Molitor are the two comps that, that, that stand out to me when I watch him and think about the way he plays the game, especially as a hitter. And then tonight, just a few minutes ago, just breaking news, we had Tywan Walker to the Phillies, four years, $72 million. I find the length of the contract, uh, the, the dollars, I guess 15 a year, 18 is not that different. I mean, that's kind of what you have to pay for a starting pitcher. The years are interesting. It's just, you know, they're committing a lot of years to a pitcher that, is pretty good, but I didn't think that they needed to commit years to starting pitchers. I, 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 you know, I thought they had the bones of a rotation set. Wheeler, Suarez, Nola, Painter. I thought they had the bones of a rotation for years to go set. Now, as Tucker said, maybe this gives us a hint about Aaron Nola's future in Philadelphia. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. It's a hop aboard. I believe the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts should be the MVP over Patrick Mahomes right now. And the Trey Turner signing, the best way I can describe it is I love the player, I do not love the contract. Your reaction and the latest on Taiwan Walker. 215-592-9494 will come back, your calls, and I want you to hear what Darius Slay had to say. Slay's take on why Jalen Hurts should be the NFL MVP next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
0: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on... This Tuesday night, the news came in just a little while ago. The Phillies have signed Taiwan Walker, uh, most recently pitched with the New York Mets. Walker pitched to a three, what was it three four nine ERA last year with the Mets, probably his best full season in the major leagues. Walker's pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say he's great. Uh, I, I like him, you know, as a back end of the rotation upgrade here for the Phillies. They need a guy that can pitch innings. Walker, won of only about sixty pitchers last year, throw over, over one hundred and fifty innings, so he'll take the ball. Now, effectively, it feels like he's like a Gibson-Eflin replacement. You know, Eflin in terms of talent, I think he's closer to Eflin on the spectrum of talent. Uh, Gibson in terms of he'll take the ball and eat some innings. Uh, and I also, think it gives the Phillies some cover when, you know, with a young pitcher like Andrew Painter, whether or not he's ready to start the season or not. Also, I think there's a chance the Phillies go with a six-man rotation. You know, they've talked up Bailey Falter a lot. And they now have Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, Walker, um, Painter on you know on the way and Bailey Falter. I think there's a chance here. The Phillies have a six man rotation for decent part- parts of the season next year. You know, keep Painter's innings down, keep Wheeler fresh, keep Nola fresh. I, I could see something like that next season. So the Phillies signed Taiwan Walker. The Trey Turner deal. Your reaction to the Phillies giving out a three hundred million dollar contract, including it being an eleven year deal. Eleven years. That part of it I do not like. But I do love the player in Trey Turner, and I believe the Eagles are on their way to winning a championship. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. 94, 94. So I made the case earlier why you know Jalen Hurts deserves the MVP over Patrick Mahomes. More wins, higher completion percentage, higher passer rating, um, less turnovers. I mean, touchdown to turnover ratio, it's Hurts. He's only four touchdowns, I believe, off of total touchdowns off of where Mahomes is right now 32 28, something to that effect. 29. Now, 29. You would know. You put. Together, you would know. Tucker put together his uh, a chart on Sunday and sent it to me uh, comparing Jalen Hurts' first 12 games of 2022 to, to Carson Wentz's first 12 games of 2017. What struck me as I saw it side by side, I didn't think it was that close. Like, there are certain categories that are close. But they're like... The the counting categories, right? Like touchdowns and yardage, right? Uh, uh, completion percentage by a mile it hurts. Was it eight? The points? eight percent.
3: I think it's sixty-eight versus sixty.
1: Uh, pass rating was about six. The one that struck me that, you know, so you know, I posted it, and you know, of course, you know, people that, you know, just did nothing better to do but but get upset. They were saying it was close, and what's the big difference? And I, I didn't. I ch- chose not to respond to m- most people because I didn't want to do that, but. One thing, the yards per attempt are drastically different. 8.24 to 7.53. I wonder in the context of the NFL right now, like, what that is. Like, the like that feels big to me. 8.2 to 7.5 feels like, just off the top of my head, like a top five-ish quarterback compared to a middle-of-the-pack kind of, uh, you know, yards per attempt.
3: Yeah, so he's second in the NFL right now at 8. 8.2. So Two is the only one higher. He's at nine. So 5. what
1: range is 7.5? The other one,
3: 7.23? So yeah, 7.2. What range is that? Uh that's fifteenth. That's right now Derek Carr. Derek Carr and Mac Jones. Yeah, so, so are between seven two and seven three.
1: Elite versus middle of the pack. I mean, that's a big difference. Um I I was I I had felt for a while Hurts was playing the position better than but I hadn't looked up the numbers in a little bit here. He's playing the position better. So you know, Jalen Hurts has established himself as better than Wentz was at seventeen. And we know in 17, Wentz was considered an MVP candidate, if not favorite, at the time he got hurt. I don't remember exactly what the odds were then. I, I I don't think sports betting... I don't think betting was legal yet, was it? Not here. Um, And I obviously wasn't doing the Beck-U-L things. that didn't exist back then. So, like, I, I just... We talked about it in the context of, like, he might win. He should win. He's the MVP. It's almost like it was only five years ago, but it felt old school, the way we talked about the MVP. There's almost something ignorant about it yeah it's like just like you're feeling on it like, like he has to how could he not right but i i don't i mean i'm sure there was a marketplace there was and people bet on it But i feel I,
3: like at that time it was mostly just people's power rankings
1: yes i don't know what he was like at the time he got hurt heading into that week was he the favorite compared so who else was in the mix it was brady and was brady
3: the, ended up winning
1: todd Gurley maybe i think todd Gurley finished second i don't think wentz even finished second that year no. Well, I mean, yeah, right. When he went down, he kind of fell out of it completely. Um, so what? whatever he was, was he second in the odds? I don't know. Right now we know that Jalen Hurts is second in the odds. But in that moment in 2017, we were talking about Carson Wentz as the MVP of the league. Jalen Hurts is having a better season than, than Carson Wentz was then. And you look at Patrick Mahomes; He's having a great year. Patrick Holmes is a great quarterback. But right now, Jalen Hurts hasn't beaten a lot of key categories. And his team is 11-1. and and, you know, you go to Patrick Mahomes, his team's lost three times. R- right now, I- I'd vote Jalen Hurts. That's my opinion. Let's hear Darius Slay, his teammate, laying it out why um, why Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league.
4: It's been going around that, you know, Patty Mahomes should win the MVP. But I'm here to be Jalen's lawyer, big play Slay, and give y'all the reason why Hurts should win the MVP this year. First of all, the best record in the NFL. Patty Mahomes got to really be throwing that thing 40 times sometimes 50. He's been throwing that motherfucker left and right. And he is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. But Petty Mahomes, he got to throw the ball 30 times. Jalen Hurts, he don't got to throw the ball 30 times. We don't have to, but if we do, he's going to throw for 350. His turnover ratio is way better than everybody's. For the past couple of weeks, we've been in some tight, tight, tight Game. Who couldn't save the day? Hurts. We done made a lot of fourth down conversions. The big boy quarterback sneaks. They can't stop it. We do it. And they know we're gonna do it and they can't stop us. This is the Jalen Hurts show, man. This is the Hurts show, and he's hurting a lot of defenses right now. He's
1: this is the Hurts show and he's hurting a lot of defense. Well he is. Um so there's Slay laying it out why hurts is the, the MVP of the league. And you know, you think about the year he's had and the moments he's had and the games he's had. The last two weeks feel like if they've changed the perception of Hertz in the MVP race, it, 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 it does. You know, three weeks ago he was in it because his team was winning. He was good, good numbers. You know, when he had the, the 100 yard rushing quarter, the 150 yard rushing game, and then he stacked that. You know, the next week with three, you know 380 in the air, that's pretty rare. And both in wins, you know, one on a Sunday night. One against you know at a big you know a big Sunday spot against the Titans. Those are big wins and big performance by Jalen Hurts. I believe he's the MVP right now. And I think if the Eagles continue, if the Eagles get the one seed and end with something like a fourth, you know, a fifteen and two record, I believe Jalen Hurts will win the MVP award. That that is how good he's been so far this season. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four to hop in. So, uh, did we get some sort of uh, social media reaction by? Uh, The newest Philly pitcher?
3: Yeah, he just uh, posted on Twitter the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Which, to be fair, is about moving to Los Angeles, not Philadelphia. Are we sure he's a Philly? Actually, I do think he stopped it right when the the word started. So it's just in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Oh, good stopped
1: okay okay so the Phillies have Taiwan Walker as part of it I, I like when players do that like, Trey Turner I guess he updated his um, Instagram with a picture of himself or, or runs it I don't know if he runs his own Instagram but his Instagram looks like it's updated with the Phillies after you know what's um, the most archaic and like it's just like old school thing that has to change so I was listening to an interview with Sam Fold did on MLB Network Radio today you know they can't talk about it because it's not official isn't that lame? Like, everyone knows. You know, every reporter out there with, 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 I mean, everyone, right? Not just the ones with the biggest credibility. Everyone that covers Major League Baseball. MLB Network, the official network of Major League Baseball. is talking about Trey Turner on the Phillies for two days now. He had Sam Folds on MLB Network Radio today, and he can't, they're using words like, like they're changing the letters in his name, like rhymes with burner. Like, come on. Like, why do we have to do that? It's not like a trade. I I guess a physical could be failed, and then the whole thing blows up. But isn't that just – we change that? Everyone knows this is real.
3: Yeah, and it's not like you're tampering, right? Like you mentioned, if it was a trade, then it it could possibly be because the person's under contract with them the team. Like, he doesn't belong to the Dodgers right now. No. it's a free agent. You can do whatever you want.
1: Do you like the idea they can't talk about him because they haven't uh, – you know, cross the T's and dotted the I's, or, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, they, he's, a, he's a Philly. Trey Turner is going to be a Philly here um, in, in short order when they announce. I wonder when we get the Trey Turner press conference. Potentially. When do the winter meetings end? I think they go home on Thursday. I think this is a Monday through Thursday event. So
3: maybe Friday? I feel like they would, they would wait until they get home, or maybe the following Monday if they still have some
1: paperwork to do. Yeah, I, 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 maybe it could also depend on his schedule. You know, like, if, does he have stuff going on this weekend?
3: It's also kind of funny because we haven't really had many of these this early in the off season. Like, they signed Bryce. They were already in spring training. They signed Kyle Schwarber and, and Nick Cassianos. They were already in Clearwater, weren't they? Or at least close to it after the
1: the the lockout. It was Wheeler. Wheeler was the last time we did one of these. Yes. And I don't really remember it. I mean, he, he's also not a remarkable speaker. Not, not that he can't, you know, he speaks... Eloquently, but like he he did not bring much to the table. I, maybe I don't remember his press conference because it's kind of boring. But it was around this time of the year, I think. He was like, you know, winter meetings ish. So, yeah, I guess Friday or Monday we'd get the Trey Turner press conference. Though so, they did it Friday, they'd have um, the day to themselves. To do it Monday, you know, the Eagles talk the next day. After Eagles Giants? Yeah, I mean, if the Eagles clinch a playoff. Yeah, I mean, like,
3: what if they did it in like the six o'clock hour? Would we air the Brandon Graham show over? The Trey Turner introductory press conference?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately Mondays at six are out of our jurisdiction. I don't know if we have any power over that. I mean it is technically the evening show. I always say that. No one you know it's the Brandon Graham show, but it's the evening show. I mean, the jurisdiction we have over six o'clock on Mondays is is kind of out of um out of our hand there. But no, would we air it? i think we'd probably still air the Brandon Graham show. That, that's what I think we would do. Is Brandon Graham more important than Trey Turner? To the city, yeah. If you only had to pick one, well, Brandon Graham delivered the Super Bowl. Trey Turner hasn't played an inning here yet, so right now, I would pick Brandon Graham. Does Trey Turner top him? I think the only
3: way he can is if he wins yes. a World Series and does something profound in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, as for as good as Trey Turner is, like that's it's a big bar to. to He'll to...
3: certainly have enough time.
1: He will have. Is this? Uh, are we in Brandon's eleventh year or is this twelve? I think man? this is twelve. Wow. And it feels like a long time. And you know what? Trey Turner will be here just as long. Well, he will. He he will be here just as long as that. I'm looking now at um, Taiwan Walker's splits. I was seeing what he's done here in Philadelphia over the years. You know, I'm sure he's pitched here. You know, we know in the last few years he pitched here with the Mets. But um, he may have come here as a, as a visitor with, with the Diamondbacks when he was younger. I'm not sure if the Mariners were here with um, Interleague or whatnot. So... Taiwan Walker and his career at Citizens Bank Park. What has he done here? For some reason I'm not seeing it. Uh ballparks. Oh, here we go. Philadelphia Citizens Bank Park. He's pitched five games here in Philadelphia in Citizens Bank Park, five point two five ERA, six home runs allowed. Not great. But again, I mean that that's a lot of that could just be because Schwarber and Harper hit him. What was his ERA? Five two five here.
3: Wow. Because the ZRA against the Phillies all time in any ballpark is three point seven two, so it's been here he struggled. So he struggles here.
1: That that's not
3: making me feel great. Can we do like a road home split. Like he goes out on the road, and one of the guys always just pitches here. Uh, well, then, you know, like how LA only does home games.
1: Sure, maybe he only does road games. So he, so LA never calls his games.
3: Sure, I mean, if that's what works, that's what I works. know. It'd just
1: be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, if Larry Anderson never described a game that his guy pitched in?
3: Until the postseason.
1: Well, then, he, yeah, because he's on the whole time. I mean, I'm just looking at home road splits for the entire season. No, it was fairly even last last year in his good year with the Mets. It was 3-4-2 at home, 3-5-4 on the road. I mean, really, almost no difference at all across the board. So I, I got afraid for a second he was simply a product of City Field and everywhere else he goes, he stinks. But that that is not the case here, which makes me feel better about it. I, I would think bullpen is next for the Phillies. And then, you know, I I could see them signing one legitimate reliever, and they might be done for the off season in terms of like significant things. You know, they could throw darts at a couple more relievers or or you know get a bench bat. But does it feel like if they get get a reliever of significance? I don't know, uh, Rogers who's out there, the left hander, uh, Kenley Jansen. You know what? I would think one more pitcher. One more relief pitcher, and I think the heavy lifting is is done for the Phillies this offseason.
3: Yeah, I think that makes sense, and you're still bringing back a lot of the team that, that went to the World Series a year ago, even in the bullpen, right? Like, I know you lose David Robertson and maybe he'll come back, but I don't really want him back, to be honest, and the two guys that you built your bullpen around and should they stay healthy will continue to be the two horses in your bullpen is Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, right? I, I think for the first time in a really long time, seems like the Phillies have two high leverage relievers that they feel comfortable using in almost any situation.
1: Yeah, they and then they just see to fill out the depth, right? Brogdon's going to be part of this thing. Nick Nelson, I, I assume, will be back after leading the team in in relief appearances in last year. They need to, they need one more, and I don't think it has to be a closer. I know Liam Hendricks is um, potentially a trade candidate. I don't think they need a closer. I was fine with what they did last year. I, I thought Topper did a really good job at mixing and matching. I think that's what they're going to do. I think it's funny that everyone wants a, a, a you know a closer and everyone wants a speedy leadoff hitter. And the Phillies made the World Series without a closer and with a chunky leadoff hitter.
3: Yeah, I mean they did sign two closers last year. One was Corey Knebel, <laughs> yeah, who got hurt and was out by well August. Yeah, and the other was David Robertson, who they traded for and absolutely stunk and couldn't be put. In big situations, and had to be relieved by Ranger Suarez in the biggest moment of the season. Can we be done with the Robertson thing?
1: Like, I know, I mean, I, I, I bet they wouldn't rule it out if he wants to come back for a very small number. I'm sure they wouldn't rule it out. But I, can we be done? I just like, per, I just personally I just want to be done. think he stinks. Why can he pitch everywhere but this uniform? He was like an all-star for the Cubs this
3: year. Then he showed up here and looked like the guy we saw in 2019. I
1: know. Well, his first – I think it was his first outing here. He looked good against against the Braves, if my memory serves, in Atlanta. He got there. He was wearing a blue glove. It was an afternoon game maybe Castano a home run I don't know I think it was Would you believe his ERA here was 2.7 because I wouldn't nah, it's a, that, that the statistics are wrong on that one that that's got to be a His fielding independent pitching was 3.7
3: That feels That feels a little better.
1: Yeah, that feels more um, more like what we saw there. 2155929494 um on the Walker signing on tra- uh, Trey Turner one thing that um we didn't touch on much tonight I know um you know we came out today earlier the Robert Quinn to the IR that trade, I mean, how he's done so many great things over the last year, are we're we heading down a path where that that trade could look like a disaster for the Eagles, and, and not that it's going to set the back or anything, you know, years from now, but th- that trade looks like it's a it's a terrible. I mean, they got they've getting no, they've got nothing out of Robert Quinn, and they probably won't the rest of the season. I mean, so he's out the next four weeks. What does that put him back for the Giants game? The last yeah, that
3: game? he's eligible to come back in week eighteen. So that plus whatever happens in the postseason,
1: is he going to be on? Is he going to be active for playoff games? I, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't made a difference in the snaps he's made. I'm just saying, like, let's say they finish strong down the stretch, the number one seed, he's out of sight, out of mind. You know, is he just, just going to instantly activate him for a playoff game and hope he's the guy they traded for in October? I don't know the answer. You know, it, it's it's amazing how hit or miss these in-season acquisitions have been for the Eagles over the years with Howie making them. You know, Jay Ajayi is the top of it, and and they made, you know, Janard Avery. You go to Golden Tate. Could Robert Quinn be Golden Tate? Because Robert – I mean, Golden Tate really did nothing, and then he – He made one play. He made one play, and they they won him a playoff game. Robert Quinn going to make a strip sack of, I don't know, Brock Purdy to win a playoff game?
3: I mean, that would be something – would be nice to see him get anywhere, you know, within the same zip code of a quarterback at, at some point in an Eagles uniform. I just think it's funny that I know they just tossed away a fourth round pick and I saw some writer last week say, well, the Jennard Avery trade didn't matter because they picked James Hudson and he stunk, so it's all good. But well, that's not the way it works. You know who went two picks later? Amin Ross St. Brown, no one a few picks later, Armandre Stevenson, the Eagles took Zach McPherson later. Like there are good players in the fourth round. This is a team that's coming up um about to pay their quarterback 45, 50 million dollars a season. You know what they really need right now is cheap talent that's under club control for a long term. And they gave up one of those lottery tickets, one of those flyers for Robert Quinn to help them win a
1: Super Bowl right now. And so far, that's netted absolutely nothing. What ha- you know it's weird at the end of the day, if they get enough contribution from the trio of Sue, Joseph, and Quinn. And they win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. I don't think anyone's gonna care like how they how the how they got here. But is there a real chance they're gonna get way I mean they already have, gotten way more out of the guys they got off the street than Robert Quinn. Yeah, I mean, don't you kind of forget that Robert Quinn trade even happened? Like when you think Eagles mid season acquisition, he comes up after the other two. And they gave up an asset to get him. Yeah, Sue's going to be the one I feel like pays the biggest dividends the whole time and will make the most plays in the playoffs. He They got him basically for free, right? Just for a little bit cap room. So there's that. The other thing I wanted to throw out there and bring up is, has there been anything in the NFL over the past year more overplayed and more just breath wasted on than Odell Beckham Jr.'s free agent tour? This is the dumbest thing on the planet. You see the, the Cowboys today are like, eh, I don't know. That knee we checked out might not be any good until mid-January. Like what? Why? It's a, every time I've turned on ESPN, Skip Bayless with Shannon, whatever. Any any show I turn on to see what's going on. Coward. Any show they're talking about the Odell Beckham Jr. free agent tour. He's not ready to play. Why is he on a tour right now? Why does anyone care where this guy's going to sign? If the Cowboys checked him out and they don't think he's ready to play, is he just in this for attention? Is he trying to get his contract for next year? Did he want to go to the Mavericks-Suns game last night for free? I mean, I, the last three weeks has been he fell asleep on a plane. He, he, the Saquon Barkley wants him. Von Miller wants him. Jerry Jones wants him. Go for it. I mean, go ahead. Knock yourself out and sign on all Beckham Jr. He got hurt in the Super Bowl. He hasn't played a down this season. I, I don't think I've ever seen a more hyped, overhyped, in-season free agent tour than Odell Beckham Jr. Like, Sue signed here. I I forgot he was even not playing. Like, I, I didn't even thought about Sue the entire season. He signed here. He played three days later. And he and he helped him win. Odell Beckham Jr. has been on a free agent tour for a month. They basically said he was going to make the decision at, at halftime of the, of the Thanksgiving game. He still isn't on a team and, and the Cowboys don't even think he can actually help them anytime soon. Is he even going to sign? I'm just, I'm just so tired of seeing stories about Odell Beckham Jr. I hope the Cowboys sign him. It doesn't matter. I mean, he averaged like 40 yards per game the last two seasons. I know he had a real big
3: NFC title game uh, in Los Angeles before he got hurt in the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I mean, the guy just isn't the same dude he was in 2016. Like, he last made the Pro Bowl in 2016. He last had double-digit touchdowns in 2016. He hasn't been great since he was 24
1: years old. He's 30 now. He's 30 off of a year of not playing, and the obsession with it is just strange. His name carries more weight than his play. It it, ha- it really kind of has since, I don't know, his rookie year. I mean, he obviously was, was really, really good when he first came out of school, but... Since he got hurt, what year did he get hurt? 2017, I think he hurt himself, like, significantly?
3: Yeah, he only played uh, four games that season.
1: Since then, his name has carried way more weight than what he's done on the field, whether it be in New York, Cleveland. He did have a nice little run there with the Rams that helped them. But, I mean, really, w- what are we talking about here? I mean, his
3: first three seasons in the NFL, he had 4,100 yards and 35 touchdowns.
1: It was, th- it was amazing. That's
3: impressive. Like, that's the kind of numbers that Justin Jefferson – and Jamar Chase and the young wide receivers now are putting up. Since then, he has 3,200 yards and 21 touchdowns in five seasons. And he's hurt. And he doesn't play. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think the obsession with great wide receiver play and trying to find it in the NFL makes no sense. And you know what? He's going to keep getting jobs for another decade because Josh Gordon got jobs for a decade despite only having – one decent season like
1: 12 years ago. Right, and for as much as Odell Beckham, is, he seems like a pain in the neck. You know, he doesn't have the the issues, we don't think, uh, like Josh Gordon, right? And he's not suspended or anything like that. So, yeah, good jobs. I mean, one of these teams are going to sign. And maybe it's the Cowboys or the Bills or whatever. But if the Cowboys doctors don't think he could play until January. It's not going to move the needle on the game coming up in a few weeks. All right, fun show tonight as we discuss the Trey Turner signing and an Eagles team that just continues to knock down opponents in their way. We got Jody Mack. Next is a, a Tuesday, Tuesday night hang with Jody Mack. Uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about Taiwan Walker. The, I didn't hear Jody on the Trey Turner signing, so I'm, uh, I'll see what he has to say about that. But certainly uh, what he has to say about the Taiwan Walker signing, which happened tonight. You guys have a great night. We'll talk tomorrow on Sports Radio 94 WIP.